Welcome back to another Built to Perform episode. I am joined today by very special guest and friend, Mr. Sam Meek. Sam Meek is, well, you know what? I'm not going to introduce it. Sam, I'm going to hand it over to you straight away, buddy. Just tell us, first of all, who you are. Yeah, well, first of all, special guest is a bit um, <laughs> it's a bit too much. I don't think I'm that special. But uh, now we, we've gone back a long time. I'm happy to be here and do this for you and, and help out anywhere I can. So I, I currently work at England um, at the FA as a, as a goalkeeping coach, one of the national goalkeeping coaches. Um, work across the men's national teams and, and also help out with um, deliver the goalkeeper education side of things as well. Amazing top man. And as I say, mate, thank you for your your time today. I know you're an extremely busy guy, so we'll we'll sort of just jump straight in. For those who obviously don't know, you've you've told us a little bit about what you currently do. Uh, just give us a bit of a background story on on who you are and sort of where you've come from back in the uh, the early playing days, my man. <laughs> yeah, so um like like everybody, when when you're first growing up, you want to be a footballer when you first start kicking that ball on a Sunday league pitch. So that's where I really first started falling in love with the game. Um, and so, yeah, I sort of tried to be a footballer, but I'm, I'm a failed footballer. So I, I got to like under 18 reserves, uh, a professional football club and, you know, didn't manage to get that professional contract. Um, sort of then drifted into non-league football alongside starting my my coaching career, really. When I say starting a coaching career, just having a dabble at it, didn't know anything about it, didn't, didn't know what to do. Um, just coached the way I got coached originally sort of that took on from there and managed to get into into a good academy uh, working there working through age groups all the way from like nines all the way up to senior footballers as well um, into first a little dabble in first team football but majority of my career has been sort of academy based more at the, the top end like the PDP slash YDP um, which for people who don't know is like youth development phase professional development phase um, and uh, yeah lucky enough to do a little bit of senior football and now I find myself here in in the in the national teams working with the well the best the best players in the country at, at all age groups from 15s up to up to under 20s. Yeah, good man. And and for anybody who obviously is listening to this back or even potentially watching this back, I like to sort of go off pace with these sort of podcasts. So there's nothing really scripted to the degree. I'm just lucky enough that I've really been on that journey with you from the start. So obviously myself very similar failed footballer, gone into coaching, but just in a slightly different pathway. So, Sam, first of all, mate, why uh, why goalkeeping? Why did you want to be a goalkeeper? Well, uh, I didn't start off there. So I probably started off trying to put it in the back of the net and gradually found out that I'm not good at that. So can I maybe create for somebody and play midfield? Found out I'm not good at that. Um, so worked my way back to the defender, found out I gave away a lot of penalties. So finally... You know, went in goal and actually uh, got a, a strange buzz out of getting balls smashed at me and and sort of, yeah, sort of like loved it from there. So there's no sort of force into goal, probably by accident, just kind of falling into that position, but but really found that's that's what I really love to do. Uh, good man. And obviously transitioning you from that sort of playing career, um, what was the point where really you... Obviously, well, to start with, what, what sort of level and, you know, did you sort of get to with that playing and what sort of position then were you sort of at the brink of, right, playing's not for me anymore? So I was lucky enough at like under 18s level to, to be involved at, um, at Bolton Wanderers, um, 
largely down to a coach who we both know very well, Fred Barber, who, who believed in me and um, took me into the football club. And I was fortunate enough to to be in and around that um, and uh, be around them 18s and reserves group as it was then. There wasn't 21s football, 23s football like it is now. It's like a reserve team. So, um, yeah, just being around training them, um, being around the games was was unbelievable for me. But I, I probably sort of knew then that the biggest thing that was probably holding me back or did hold me back was my height. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm not the tallest. I'm five foot nine. So um, I thought I was a good goalkeeper. Uh, I'd like to think I was a good goalkeeper. And I, I definitely thought I had the ability to survive. Definitely had the ability to survive and, and thrive a little bit in the 18s and 23s. But the closer it was getting to that sort of senior level, I could see that there wasn't a five foot nine goalkeeper out there. Like, it just wasn't one. And I just thought, right, well, this is something that I can't change. Um, so if, if you know, it was something to do with, like, kicking or something like that, you could work hard at that. That's something I could definitely affect and get better at. But my height, like, this is medieval days. I can't get anything and stretch myself. So, like, I'm always going to be this height. Um, so I remember speaking to Fred and speaking to my dad and sort of like a, can't call it a light bulb moment, but maybe like a reality moment to go like, well, what, what's next? Because this might not work out. And, um, you know, Fred was was like, well, why don't you try coaching? You know, come in with me on the soccer schools that me and you used to attend, help out on those, do a little bit of coaching, just do some warm-ups and all that sort of stuff, see how you like it. And to be honest, like, I loved it. I like, really loved it. So there was an opportunity then when, you know, I, I didn't stay at Bolton, didn't get a professional contract there or anywhere else. Um, where I still wanted to play football, still, you know, 25% of me still wants to chase that dream. Um, no matter how much it's, you feel it's not going to work out, you still want to chase that dream. Don't want to give it up. So I found myself in non-league football, um, which allowed me to play. Um, and that was senior football. Um, and then, you know, lucky enough that Fred took a massive gamble and a big chance on me to take me to Bolton and sort of developed me as a coach and working with like the, the really young, young kids and working with like um, the community, Bolton in the community and stuff like that. And then getting a little bit more involved in the academy. And I would say probably, I think I was 19. I think, I think that's right. I think I was 19 when it was getting more serious with the coaching. So, um, you know, I'd, I'd coached sort of the older age groups. Then I was coaching with like the 40s, 15s, 16s, all the time um, I coached the under 18s I even coached the first team on like one, on one week occasion which was interesting um, <laughs> as a 19 year old um, purely through circumstance when, when Fred left uh, to go to Northern Ireland and um, if you remember Neil Edwards staff was at the club as well um, I th he, he couldn't attend a couple of the days so it was like right you're going to have to go and take the first team um, which was usually Ascoinen and stuff like that and that was yeah, very interesting taking that. Um, so, yeah, it got a lot more serious. And, um, yeah, they sort of wanted me to take the older age groups, which were like Saturdays. Um, and I found out, like, I, I couldn't, you know, take the under-18s in Liverpool, for example, and then travel all the way across to Harrogate for a three o'clock kickoff. It just wasn't going to work. So, yeah, I had to make a decision, like, where do I see, where do I see my life? Um, is it going to be a footballer? Probably not. Is it going to be a coach? Maybe. Let's 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 sort of go down that route then and channel all my 
all my energy and my efforts into into coaching. So that was like probably the pivotal moment, if you like. It wasn't easy. Um, definitely wasn't easy. Sleepless nights over like just that dream you had when you was a nine-year-old to kind of go, it's just not going to happen. Um, so to, to leave that behind and, and, and go for something else was was difficult. But in my opinion, I was going for the next best thing. So it probably a lot easier than maybe other people find out as well. Absolutely, mate. And, and that's the thing, obviously, this is the reason, obviously, I wanted to speak to you today, mate, because there's obviously a, a wealth of sort of lessons with that. And I think the biggest thing that people will take is sort of that that pivotal moment, as you said, when that sort of your dreams of when you, what you thought would happen when you were a kid and you build them up and up and up. And then that sort of, you make that conscious decision to do that. What's some things at, at that time that helped spur you on to into the coaching realm to put all that energy for what you thought you were going to become that professional footballer to then put that into something such as coaching? What sort of helped you get into that? Um, well, obviously having the opportunity was 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 massive in terms of in terms of Fred bringing me into the football club and really backing me. And it, it wasn't easy for him to do that. I was an absolute nobody. I was. 18 as well so like you know you're asking an 18 year old to go and coach in an academy where it's full of ex-pros who played 500 600 700 league games like i i mean it's not easy for for him to back me um and so so this goes hand in hand really you obviously know my dad um and the dedication that my dad put into into me trying to achieve my my dream um you know coming from sheffield traveling to stoke twice a week is as you know, it's not around the corner. Um, we probably had similar type journeys. So, and we were there religiously every week and, you know, come from a working class background. So my dad was a hard, hard worker um, and a clapped out builder's van driving, driving to Stoke to, for him to take me to these, these goalkeeper sessions. Uh, not only that, taking me all around the country when I was, you know, playing games everywhere, like, you know, Newcastle, Blackpool, London, all over the place. I was playing everywhere and my dad was always there and dropped everything to take me. So that dedication, that sacrifice that he made for me, probably that pivotal moment at 19, it was like, okay, well, he sacrificed everything for me to get here and I can't go any further. Like, but how can I not let him down? How can I still make him proud? How can I repay Fred back for the, the sacrifice and the backing that he's given me? Um, and that was basically channeling all my energy into hopefully trying to be the best coach I could possibly be and repay these people and make sure that they, they were proud of me. It was my biggest driving force, if I'm honest. My biggest driving force, the, the fear I had of not being good enough and letting my family down and letting, well, letting my dad down and letting Fred down was sometimes overwhelming. Um, but it was always there and it was, it was fear, but I, I channeled the fear into motivation to to be the best I could possibly be, um, to hopefully repay that faith that they had in me. So I would say that is the biggest, yeah, reason, if you like, purpose, whatever word you want to call it, for, for me going, that is that is what I'm going to do. Yeah, no, thank, thank you for sharing that, mate. That's, uh, that's huge because, as you say, when you've got such an intrinsic motivation like that, it, it's almost a lot of people have got sort of a, a scarcity mindset to run away from something, which is, can be a driver, but at the same time, you, you've got sort of an aspiration to drive towards something as well. So that fear of obviously not letting your family down, letting Fred down for, for giving you the opportunity, but also in your mind, obviously re-engineering your blueprint, i.e. going from a professional footballer to now wanting to become a professional coach. 
seems to me as though you, you had that sort of balance of two. And as you rightly said, it's not easy. It, it, there's a lot of things behind closed doors that people don't witness or go through. So as I say, for you to, to share those sorts of things, mate, is, is really powerful. So as I say, thank you for, for letting us in on that, mate. That, that's top, top class. So fast forward it from sort of 19 to, to 20 years of age on your sort of coaching pathway. It does sound to me, and obviously we're going to touch on this a little bit, as though you've, you've sort of had to manage up very quickly. So sort of managing up and managing down, you've had to have almost what sounds like a forced evolution into your coaching pathway. Do you feel that sort of that's that's pretty much how it's progressed for you in, in sort of the early start? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think um, the managing up one's really interesting because I got this wrong so many times, so many times in my early years. Um, young, enthusiastic, know-it-all kid. Um around really experienced people in the game um, and the kind of character I am. I'm quite like fiery. I'm quite front-footed. Um, and it didn't always go well. Didn't always, you know, it didn't go well at all at times. Um, and I think managing up, I really, really began to learn when Fred left the club. Um, so I didn't realise until thinking back Actually, our conversation the other day made me think back around where did this managing up sort of sort of start. And if anything, it probably started when I was like 21, 22. So I'd been at the club like three, four years and I didn't have to manage up because all I had to do was like get Fred to fight my battles for me. Um, if I had any battles and Fred would be the first team goalkeeping coach who was there for years, well-respected guy. So like for him, if you think about it, like he was a, um, above these people that, he could just basically say, no, this is the way it's going to happen. And they'd have to sort of fall in line with it. And then I'm just like, Rosie, and I'm doing it all. Yeah, great. I'm getting what I want. Fred leaves. Like, I ain't got that comfort blanket anymore. I ain't got that person. So that's when I really had to go, wow, wow. okay, I've got it so, so wrong. I need to build some bridges. I need to um, show people that I should be respected. But the only way I can show people that I should be respected is by me respecting them and showing how hard I work and how... Um, how everything I try and do is for the best of what we're trying to do together um, and sort of build that link. And that that did take time. That did take time. And I can't say I repaired every single relationship. Um, there's definitely a couple of relationships there that were um, that were non-repairable. And it's funny, you, you all, football's a small world. It is. You run into a couple of these guys and, you know, I think they probably respected that. I was young and I was naive. I didn't know it. I made loads of mistakes and they've forgiven me for some of the stuff that I did wrong. And, um, and I can definitely look back at it and go, if I was, you know, if I was looking back at my 21 year old self now, I'd be saying like, Oh my God, what are you doing? Like <laughs> I would be. Um, yeah. So, so it's, yeah, the managing up really started then. And um, I, I, I presume like, you know, it's, it's one of those things you just learn. And, you learn from all the mistakes you make. And I'd like to think I'm in a position now where I can manage up effectively. Um, but it all starts with relationships. The, the key thing for me is relationships because I'm a big, big believer that people don't care how good you are if, if, if they don't like you. And if you're not likable, if you're not trustworthy, if you're not authentic, people aren't going to have you. So it doesn't matter how good you are. So as soon as you sort of like have that authenticity to you and that honesty and, and that sort of stuff, then the managing up becomes easy. Um, 
and I suppose understanding your place in the pecking order is definitely a key one as well. Like whether you think that you should be at management level or, or higher level or what, if you're not there yet, then understand your pecking order because you're not there yet. There's a reason you're not there yet. So, you know, and if you try and push and strive and try and get to there, then you may make more mistakes than you, than you do positives. Um, so yeah, I think it's, I think the managing, the management one's definitely something that you, you learn through more failures than, than, than positives in my opinion. Yeah, no, I'm going to second you on that, mate. I completely agree. And is there is there a, a lesson in there? Is there a, is there a story of of pecking order? Is there a story of them early days that, that something happened that you thought, oh shit, I better rein this in? Anything that you could share? Uh, yeah, I, I won't mention names for obvious reasons, but yeah. um, you know, been coaching now three four years. Um, 21 22 um being honest i think i'm you know i apologize for saying this but i think i'm the dog's bollocks at this point um i think i think that i know loads i've got a lot of knowledge to give um and an experienced coach sort of starts to say to me like gets me in a meeting and says look i think we can do something good together um i want to go in a different direction which was completely different to to what i've been coaching previously and all I know at this point, um, we're going to go. We're going to go in this different direction. You know, you can come on board. You can learn some stuff and all this lot. And I remember the phrase. I turned around and said, "Yeah, yeah, that's good." And you know, I think you may learn some stuff from me as well. Um, <laughs> which is looking back is probably the worst thing I could have said to this person at this moment in time because the, the way the way I, I was doing things or the way things were going, he was trying to change to go in a different direction. And I was kind of just saying to him in a roundabout way, like, yeah, I, I'm not interested in what you've got. So you can learn off me. That is how I came across. So that was, a, I was a massive sort of, you know, I got a dressing down for that and rightly so. Um, that was, that was a, a moment I, I always remember where if I could look back at myself, I'd be like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Just, hey. You know, but you, you you make those mistakes, and if you didn't make the mistake, how are you ever going to learn? So I, I definitely did learn from that moment. Yeah, and I think there's a there's a small sort of golden nugget in there, mate. In terms of you know, if we're listening to this, it's almost like you, you've had a lot of forced evolution. There's been a lot of managing up, a lot of responsibility, and ultimately on an 18, 19 year old shoulders to handle and take care of first team, take care of this, take care of that, and it's almost as if like. Jesus, it was it, it was a lot to sort of sort of take on and make you push and progress in that capacity. So obviously that that then gave you the confidence to to move and obviously take those failures and, and learn from them. But from a and I suppose from a logistical level, in terms of trying to learn and evolve with that failure yourself, I mean a lot of people sort of fail and they overwhelm and they dwell on that thing because they then identify that as oh well now I won't be able to progress but do you ultimately feel that just because you had to do a lot of repetition of failing fast you're able to build almost like this bounce back ability really quickly or did you find that there was times when you sort of dwelled upon a mistake or or something like that um it, it's an interesting one because I, I can definitely empathize with like some people who probably would um sort of take that failure as as um uh a really negative negative point and they just can't bounce back from that 
Yeah. And it, it, listen, it's easy me sat on this couch here saying this to you, yeah, saying yeah. like, you know, you learn you learn more from the failures than you do your successes. Um, it's easy me saying that, but I can't stress how much that's true. Um, it, it, especially in my case. Um, but, you know, I, I've definitely got people I'm close to that, that are the people that maybe you just alluded to there that have that one sort of moment of failure or setback and the end of the world and all this sort of stuff and they really struggle to bounce back um a lot of it is sort of i mean i'm speaking to you now as a 32 year old so a lot of it is born in me from the makeup of my family and um the makeup of fred where it was always like i remember like pre-season uh, is, is, is a prime one we we didn't have goalkeeping coaches when i was like you know 10 11 12 13 14 whatever the age was apart from going to fred so when we used to do like um, at the academies, when I was at academies, pre-season friend, uh, pre-season training would be like running, for example. And the mentality that my dad instilled in me was: they want you to fail because you're a goalkeeper, so you make sure you don't finish last. And there was a little bit of fear from my dad's voice in terms of like you make sure you don't finish last because you're going to get it at home if you do. Um, but what he was trying to instill in me is like they want you to fail, so show them that you're not. Um, so you know thinking back now that's what it was instilling in me so I always used to finish in the top three you know and how you, you do the loops of a, a lake or something like that and, you know you get the coaches going how's a goalkeeper beating you and you know when, when they're shouting that to the outfield players it made me run faster because I thought okay how, how many more people can I embarrass you know how many more people can I get in front of <laughs> so it was, it was almost like a motivation a positive to me um, I'm Fred. Fred. Fred was a massive driver of that. So um, I, I, I love this guy to bits. Like I really do because he, he gave me my chance in football and he instilled a lot of the values that I already had from my family, family but made them stronger. Um, and I don't think I ever heard Fred praise me. And I don't think to this day he has to my face. I know he's praised me to other people um, and he, you hear it secondhand. But you never knew where you were with Fred. Like, and that was a good good place to live in for me. I know it's not for everybody, by the way. I know it's not for everybody. And he was super harsh. Like sometimes he would he would say to me, um, you know, I, I don't know why I've employed you. You're not bringing anything to the table and walk out. And at that moment in time, you're devastated for the first 10 minutes. You're devastated. Of course you are. <laughs> and then you go, well, what does he mean? What does he mean? I'm like, well, and then I, you start to think and analyze it, or I did, and go, okay, so you know what? I'm going to show him. I'm going to show him why he employed me. Like, he employed me because I'm going to bring some ideas to the table. I'm going to bring this to the table, this to the table. And then you start like thinking these ideas. You start driving, you start pushing them forward. You start proving your worth to people. And, and all he actually meant to say was probably, have you thought about developing this side or developing that side? But that's not the way. Fred is that's not the way Fred would say it and actually if he did say it that way he probably didn't get the reaction he did get out of me so be bad ultra harsh on me he knew that I'd like roll my sleeves up and go prove you wrong like that that was my mentality um and I think he knew that and I'm speaking to him like I do speak to him pretty pretty often and he definitely did mean that like that's exactly he knew he knew me as a person he knew what drove me he knew what motivated me and all he was doing was poking the bear and and when he did that, he he got the results that he wanted. But ultimately, he got me to develop the way that I should be developing, not just stagnating and standing still. So 
probably gone in a roundabout way of answering that or I might not have answered it but it was almost like yeah you got two options when you get the setback you got two options you can you know dwell on it you can sort of like crumble you can sort of then give up on, on the overall goal and that's fine because that's the option you have to live with the consequence of your option or you have to go right okay let's analyze it what went wrong looking look in the window first before look sorry look in the mirror before looking out the window to so look at yourself and go well what what have I done so in that scenario like I said with Fred he comes and he blasts me and I go first thing I do is look at myself and go okay why is he saying that to me like what have I done yeah actually I've got comfortable over these last few months I have I've just been going along just been going with the flow been flatlining just been flatlining I've not brought anything to the table I've not brought any ideas um so I look at myself first and go right the plan moving forward now is going to be this, this, and this. And you constantly evaluate the plan. And before you know it, you, you're out the rut and you're out the rut really quickly. And, and you've got a really clear vision of your target, your next target. And, and that disappointment that you had for 10 minutes literally has been 10 minutes. It's not been a week. It's not festered. It's not, it's not drove you into a bad place. So that's the way I kind of dealt with them, them situations really. Such a powerful answer, mate. I think the biggest thing that I'll take from that is looking in the mirror first before looking out the window. That's that's really huge. And I think that highlights, again, that sort of level of self-awareness in reality to it. I think it, it's easy to get lost in the emotion of feeling or feeling like you failed or feeling like you've gone backwards. But as you rightly said, once you, once you get a hold of that first and actually look and reflect and ask yourself those questions of, you know, well, what's gone well what hasn't gone well could I have done anything differently and then move on which in reality is what we do inside a built to form sort of on a on a weekly or daily weekly monthly basis to ensure that we're moving the needle sort of one percent in the right direction um and I think that that's that's really powerful to to have that ability to to do that in the moment because then that obviously makes it affects your actions going forwards with that as well so I yeah. think that's huge and I think Obviously, clearly, Fred saw within you how you how you'd respond and how you'd react to that, which I think is for a man of your character, a man of your personality, is really powerful to to use that as a coaching tool, you know, to bring out the best in you. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. And like, I find it really interesting. Like people who um, there's quite a lot of people want want the job I've got, which is which is like yeah self-explanatory like a lot of people want to be a goalkeeper coach or a lot of people want to be a coach in a football club or whatever um and when you speak to a lot of people people want it here and now and they don't realize what you've got to go through so people will look at me as relatively young um you know people look at me as like in their eyes successful as where i am and stuff like that which is yeah i've got a long way to go by the way i'm nowhere near where where uh, an elite coach nowhere near it so I've got a long long way to go um but people go oh yeah I want that and they'll go what do I need to do so well, you know you, you need to put the work in you sacrifice so like when I think back to my early years as an 18 19 year old like I wasn't on great money um in the summer I slept in my car so I could save up enough money to some days I slept in my car in the training ground so I could save up some money to pay for a room because I was from Sheffield but I was working in coaching in Bolton um, and yeah I had to save up some money to basically get make sure I had a roof over my head over the winter months so like you, you do that in the early years um, you don't have days off you do everything you volunteer 
you know, you do things unpaid. Um, you learn and you trade. You do all these things all the time. And, you know, you, you have to, yeah, there's days when you go, how, how long can I carry this on for? Or is it worth it? But if you want it that much, then, yeah, it is. And, and something will break. I'm a big believer in, like, things do break for you. And things do happen. You just have to keep chipping and chipping and chipping away. And the moment you, the moment you either don't believe in your goal, you got to reassess it. You got to reassess it or give it up. Um, or the moment you, you feel like it's not worth it. Well, that they're the moments where you have to really test yourself and go, it, it, "Am I going to go through with this? Am I going to carry on this ladder and go through with it? Do I sacrifice?" You know, like people at my age, eighteen, nineteen, were in in clubs, nightclubs. And stuff like that, you know, drinking and having a really good time or going to universities, all that stuff, having a great time. And there's, there's people I went to school with um, that I speak to now that did all the university stuff. And, you know, they're the same age as me, 32, they re enrolled in the university because they just did the norm. They just did what people wanted to do, wanted them to do or did what they thought was right. You know, at the time when they're having a fantastic time going on holidays and all this sort of stuff. And I'm, you know, not on great money, but I'm, striving to push for the dream that I want I'm in a good position now and, and some of these people are, are actually going I went to university I didn't go well once I'm going to have to go back because now I know what I want and they're 32 now which is fine by the way because they, they, they're going to start on that ladder again but yeah I suppose a roundabout way of saying like just stick to it like it, it, just, just go at it and, and understand that you're going to go through a lot of sacrifices and, and you're going to go through a lot of darker times or lower times than you are positive times but it's all worth it in the end i think the, the sort of quote that comes to mind with that is the last mile is the loneliest mile you know all the sets of the reps that you put in over a period of time they'll pay off in the long run and that's the thing it's it's remaining consistent to the process of you constantly breaking it down building it up evolving it and i think one of the things that we say inside of built to perform the sort of 10th commandment if you like is what's the alternative <laughs> It's like you've just said in, in that story, you know, the, the, those small pockets of time when you've had that coaching feedback or whatever it is, it's almost like, well, okay, well, what's the alternative? <laughs> you either bow down yeah. to it, let it beat you, let it defeat you, or you pivot, have the ability, bounce back ability, go again. And as you said, a lot of this stuff all sounds great, sounds amazing, but in the moment, it's difficult. And the, the one thing that sort of really helps gain clarity and focus on that, in my opinion, is sort of starting with the end in mind and then reverse engineer that process on what that looks like. So obviously in terms of you now, in terms of transitioning sort of from that 19 year old, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, so on and so on. What, in terms of like a, I don't know, a visualization perspective, right? Because a lot of lessons that I take personally from sort of goalkeeping is that sort of bounce back ability. You've made a mistake, it's how you get over it, it counts moving forwards with goal setting, with visualisation, those sorts of things. Is there anything that people may not think or are aware of in terms of how you actually set your goals and visualise it to see it going forwards? Yeah, it's probably a good point to come on to after what I've just said there in terms of like people go, oh, I want to do that, whatever it is. Um, you know, it could be I want to be I want to be a successful banker. Like I want to lead a bank one day or something like that. But then well, where are you now? That's where you want to be, which is the long, long-term one. But what's the stuff you need to do in between to achieve that goal? And I think a lot of people don't may, may, maybe not be a, one aware of what they need to do or to just, just think that they can go from there to there very quickly um, and don't understand the process very well. So 
one thing I do, which is very gimmicky and it's very like, it's personal to me, but it's very gimmicky. It's very sort of, um, people might think it's very like, don't know what word I'm looking for, but like sort of, yeah, gimmicky is probably a good word, but it's like a, uh, I know on the computer, I'll, I'll make a sort of um, poster, if you like. Um, and on the poster, it's got a poster of a road. Um, and you're obviously at the, the view of the, the road is you're here and the road's getting narrower and thinner towards the, the, the top end um, and right at the top of the road I'll put long-term goal whatever that is um, so the long-term goal is is this and that that's what I want to achieve and at the bottom of the road is where I am now and then just up from it there's a short-term goal and then in the middle of it there's a medium-term goal and I write down what they are so I understand if I'm on track I believe that I'll get there the long-term goal if I'm on track so then like on the right hand side of that I'll maybe write down what are the qualifications I maybe need to achieve to get there or, or CPD or um, you know what experiences do I need to do to, to get to these each each one of these goals and on the left hand side uh, I set myself a time frame so you know the, the long-term goal may be five years an example medium-term goal maybe three years and the short-term goal is probably right at the end of this year this is what I've got to achieve so just having that clear clear sort of process or that plan of what I think I need to do um, is a good starting point because it really channels your energy into these things and it's it, it sort of shortens the goal so I'm sort of contradicting myself here by saying people want it here and now but what I mean by shortens the goal is when somebody has a goal they can look at it and go that's a million miles away it's so far away it's not achievable and it's going to take too long and all this lot and all them negative thoughts or, or, or whatever comes into it. And that can maybe make people change the goal or abandon the goal. Um, but having that short-term goal is like that little step. And when you've achieved that after a year or two years or whatever you set yourself, you understand that you're a little bit closer to it now. And then actually the medium-term goal doesn't look too far away. So by the time you're on the medium-term goal, all of a sudden you might go, right, I'm on the arm stretch here. Like I've only got this, I've only got this little bit of experience or qualification to get. And I know it's going to take me two years. And then hopefully that's I'll have reached it, I'll have met it. So yeah, again, it sounds really gimmicky, but that's that's something I do. Um and that's something I've done for, for quite a while now to to try and achieve what I want to achieve. Again, Sam, the uh the reality is with those sorts of things, we, we're talking about sort of 1% things, you know, a simple screensaver on your computer or a screensaver on your phone. If you're visually looking at that as a, as a reminder all the time, because a lot of people feel victim to setting out goals, whether it be new me at the start of the year, whatever it is, they write them down and then they just wrote down and forgotten about there's no action. Whereas if you are obviously generating action towards those things by creating a contract to yourself and you visually see it every time you open that laptop and it's in your face, it's just bringing that subconscious to more of a conscious thing consistently over time. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I think that's a really, that's a powerful tool to use. So when you're so obviously looking at your process and sort of building those goals going forwards and you achieve whatever it is you achieve, is it just a matter of resetting, recalibrating, going again? Because a lot of people obviously look at it and go, well, I've achieved my goal now. Right, I'll be whatever it is, happy, complacent. Or are you just in your character to be like, right, okay, I've done that, I've done that, I've done that. Now I need to move on and push on again. 
Yeah. Um, learning learning point for me again. Big learning point for me again of setting this objectives and setting this uh, gimmicky sort of slide. Um, it's fantastic to do that. But biggest thing I've learned is what happens if that happens quicker than you thought. Um, and it, it, it has happened to me. So okay. um, I had a, a long term goal to get to, um, to 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 get to a certain point. Um, and in my in my head, I was on the what was that? I was on the medium term goal. So from the medium to the long term, the time frame was three three four years. I'd set myself um, twenty months is when the long term goal came came along. Um, and I found myself in the long-term goal 20 months after the medium term had been completed. So all of a sudden it was like, yeah, okay, um, well, I'm here now. So what I need to do is try and experience this. Um, so I tried to experience it. Um, COVID happened, which which for yeah, it did for a lot of people, which slowed the process of this new experience down. Um, and I remember somebody saying to me, oh, what's where do you want to be in five years time it was so it was the first time in my life it was so difficult to answer um and i didn't answer it i said i don't know it was the first time i said i don't know um i, I may have been in this position I, I got earlier than expected um i've been in the position a short amount of time but covid has drastically changed the environment um and i'm still waiting for for the environment to, to get back into the environment I'd signed up for um so what I said to him was although I may have been doing this for a while now I don't actually think I've started yet because I haven't done what what it is you know I haven't done the the job if you like yet because we just haven't been able to do it so until I actually get back into it I probably can't reset reset the goal um and I, I, I think I, uh, I think it was about four or five weeks ago I've actually reset the goal it's been reset again you know the short medium long term has been done again but there's been like a two-year gap between having to set that through circumstance so the biggest learning curve for me was um you got the long term what happens if it happens earlier if it happens earlier what what's the the next plan and i'm not saying you have to have a definite plan but if you get there i think the biggest thing was why do i want to be there and what's that stepping stone to and if it's not a stepping stone to something and it's more a yeah you've got it you've achieved it then you'll once you've achieved it you'll you'll find yourself lost because there always has to be something next there always has to be something next i think if you ever get to that point and you think it's you've got your point whatever it is whether it's i don't know losing weight for example whether it's like you want to lose you know a few few stone for, for your wedding or something like that you do that you get there and you'll put more on after your wedding because you haven't figured out you've, you've hit the goal and you, you've come to a, a bit where where you're like you're lost so you put all the weight back on then you get unhappy because you're not where you were um so like i'm just speaking generally and going off tangent a little bit but it's the same thing the same thing when you get your goal what's next now so if you if you get to a certain weight and you've lost it is it that now you're gonna don't know do some amateur competitions off the back of it now because you're in good shape just to keep your well-being good and keep keep striving for that and something a little bit extra i don't know i don't have the answer of, of that sort of scenario but it's the same for me same for me once the goal has been achieved why ever why did i want this goal in the first place and what comes after it is is the biggest biggest learning curve for me yeah no that's good man i think the uh the things from sort of my end looking at that is a lot of guys you know have their needs as being growth 
significance, contribution, all those sorts of things. And for me, the, the goal setting side of things, as you've rightly just quoted, is it can set yourself up for not failure, but it can set yourself up for well, what now sort of complacency, if you like. So with such a strong foundation like yourself, when you've got that foundation, you can build a system on top of that and then say to yourself, right, well, this horizon will always move as long as I stay true and committed to that process. So, yeah, I think there's, a, there's an abundance of wisdom in that already, buddy, which uh, I'm sort of grinning and smiling at myself because there's, <laughs> there's been a few times where you, when I, obviously I've, I've worked for you in the past, um, there's been moments in which <laughs> the, the feedback has helped me think. Am I allowed to say? Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. So uh, I think there's been times where I remember stepping under your wing, obviously doing some work goalkeeping wise um and and you obviously gave me that sort of leveled up thing so i was working with you know a younger age group and you asked me to cover certain older age groups and it was that inner thing of oh, managing up sort of thing oh, will will this happen will that happen and i just remember specifically <laughs> sam mate coming over with the bench go tom that was uh that was fantastic mate but uh what do you think went well? <laughs> well, yeah, this went well. I, I think, okay, how could we have done this differently? It was just always that inner feeling. But I think for me, it was really important to have that, to, as you rightly say, and you've rightly been through on your coaching pathway, to help you evolve and level up. I think it's such an uncomfortable thing, but the more you're uncomfortable, the more you will grow. And I think there's been an amount of time, especially on my coaching journey now, where I can relate back to those things when it comes to that yeah. level of sort of managing up and those sorts of things. So I suppose the, the thing that we've mentioned there primarily is that sort of people getting complacent and ultimately, you know, the hard work that they strive to achieve, they get this result or whatever it is, you, you've got to back it up, right? It, it's not... Yeah you've got to be able to take the action and i think the biggest thing that sort of i'll lead on with that especially from my experience of working for you is that level of authenticity which a lot of people are sort of shy away from being their true authentic self for the fear of that knowing full well that they'll potentially get that negative feedback but i think you know you've mentioned to me in the past and i'll let you talk about it a little bit deeper you know that there's training sessions and all those sorts of things that you could show me and I was like, I was like well, Sam, that's your training plan. And I was like, well, yeah, that's fine. But how can you deliver it as your authentic self? Does that make sense? So I suppose what I'm getting to with that is what's your sort of thoughts around you aspiring to be that authentic version of you? Yeah, I think um, just just slightly before that, like I, I read a book um, about um, good to great. Um, I can't remember the author now, but if anybody's in business or anything like that, it's like it's, it's an unbelievable book. I'll, I'll I'll dig it out and I'll text you the the name of it. Um, but it's basically about like companies who came out of nowhere um, and you know and, and have basically gone from a good company to a great company, stayed there, and then the other companies who have like like Dell is a, is a good example. Like if you remember back when we were at school or something like that, Apple was nobody knew about Apple. Like now, nobody knows about Dell now. Everything was a Dell computer back then. Um, so basically, the companies that are like doing really well for a short period of time then die off, and then the ones that just keep rising, 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 surpass and just stay there. Um, 
So, like, it's interesting the managing up, managing down one. And I will come on to the other stuff in a minute, but like, I think it's really good, important about managing up. Managing up is difficult, really difficult. And managing down is easy. It's only easy if you're the right person and you, and you, and you have the, the respect of the people below you. Because at the end of the day, if you're in a managerial position or a boss position, if you like, or, you know, you're, you're the head of something, people that are below you... Um, I say that in, a, in, a, in an easy term, not below, but people who are, man, who are working under you um, who have to report to you. They have to do what you're saying no matter what. So if you tell them to jump, they say, how oh, I, but that doesn't mean they're going to work for you. It just means they will do what they say and you may not get them really pleased and happy. So when I've been into a couple of different football clubs, a couple of different environments, and I've been in a leadership position in terms of how leading the academy from a goalkeeper perspective, only person I've had to manage up to is maybe the first team goalkeeping coach or the academy manager or something like that. But I may have had like yourself was working for me as a part-time member of staff at the time and I'm having to manage you. Um, and the key thing for me is making sure that you get, it's out, it's out, I'll quote the book again, but I remember it was like when I went into one football club, it was confront the brutal facts. First of all, don't shy away from it. So where are we currently right now? Um, so the, where we were at this time was like we haven't got the best goalkeepers in this area so that's where we are not coming after anybody I'm just confronting the facts these are the facts we don't have the best goalkeepers in the area um, and then the next thing would be like right okay well what, with the staff we've got now are they the right staff do they do they sort of go to the vision um, and it's a really single simple thing of like get the you know get the wrong people off the bus and the right people on it so try and try and work with these people, but if they don't want to go to the vision, don't spend time. Get them out. Like it sounds ruthless, but if you you can try two or three different ways to sort of inspire them and empower them to come on that journey with you. But if they're just not invested, they're going to do more damage than they are help. So get them off and and, and bring the right people in that will want to work towards that and will want to work towards that vision and that goal. And all of a sudden, as soon as you do that, then it, it accelerates. And, and, you, and you're going in the right direction. Everybody's pulling in the right direction. You haven't got anybody just coming in, doing the bare minimum, going out. Or you haven't got people coming in and saying stuff like corridor talk and all that. But like, it's good, you know, a really good program, this, than telling somebody it's it's the worst program in the world. Like, you're getting, you're getting people pushing in the right direction. Um, and then I really like the fact of, and we're going to, I'm going to come on to it now. I know I'm coming around about weight, but it was called the, um, the hedgehog effect. So when, <laughs> they were saying like that the fox can try so many different ways to try and eat the hedgehog right but the hedgehog just puts his spikes out every single day and the, no matter if the fox attacks from the back attacks from the front comes at night comes at day hides behind a bush it still can't eat the, eat the hedgehog because it just gets his, it gets his spikes out all the time so the thing the thing it was teaching you was like find out your point of difference as a company and make sure you're the best in the world at that. And don't try and like be like other companies because you'll never be as good as them at that. So, you know, the Fox is trying so many different ways to be successful. The Hedgehog is sticking to what it does best and is, is successful every single day in, in keeping alive. It sounds like really philosophical and people are going to be like, what's he talking about Hedgehogs and Foxes for? But like, if you relate that to like what we're going to talk about now, which is basically, if you're a coach, right, I remember having a conversation with yourself and, and another coach we had at the club. And I said to you, like, um, did, in our business, there'll be YouTube coaches out there. And I mean this for the 
I still mean this in a humble way, but if I, I can give you my coaching session in terms of video, I'll give you my session plan. I'll give you my review. I'll give you everything. You will never deliver that session better than me because that's my session. And that's the way I deliver it. So you can have it all. Like, no problem. You can have it all. Um, however, like what I said to you was like, how can you be the same coach but put your stamp on things? So, you know, I, I think we, we spoke about yours being sort of like the physical side of, um, physical and nutrition side of goalkeeping. And, you know, you've got an, an unbelievable abundance of knowledge and expertise in that area. That if I try to replicate that, I'll never be as good as you at that. That's your point of difference. So we could be two outstanding goalkeeping coaches, um, but we're outstanding for our own own reasons. You know, we, we're unique for our own reasons. We might get the same result in terms of good goalkeepers or, or successful goalkeepers, players, staff, whatever you want to call it. But how we get there is slightly different. So when you try and replicate somebody else's work or somebody else's expertise, like you just copy it. And, and I think I've said to you before, like, um, I'll, I'll give you anything because if it's like a, a, a program or a, a, a syllabus and you go, oh, that's really good. Uh, I'd like it. I'll go, yeah, I'll send it to you. And in my business, something, sometimes it can be like, oh, no, don't send them that. Don't send them that. No, no, you can have it. Like, you can have it because if that's where you're at, I'm already on to the next thing. So by the time you've figured out how to copy and replicate this, I've moved on to the next bit and you'll probably want that. And by the time you ask that, I'll give it to you again because I'll be on to the next bit. So I'll always be ahead. I'll always be ahead because I'm always doing something different. So, um, yeah, that, that's, that's a long answer. Um, apologies for the long answer, but useful. You, you have to find you have to find your point of difference. And the learning moment for me, I might be sat here and people are going, "Oh yeah, you, you know, you just found it." No, I didn't. Like I remember sending my session to somebody. And again, I thought it had all bells and whistles on. I thought it, was, thought it was fantastic. I thought it was like, you know, one of the best sessions in the world. Looking back now, if I watch the footage back of the session, now it's crap. But at the time, I thought it was really good. So I sent it to somebody, and uh, somebody I really respect in the game. Um, and he's been a mentor of mine for, for quite a while now. And I remember that that's what he said to me. He said, that, you know, there's 92 football clubs in the country, and that could be any 92 goalkeeping coaches I watched. Just looks the same as everybody else. Like, what's, what makes you different? What sets you apart from the rest? And from that moment forward, I was like, yeah. Like, again, linking into my visions and my goals, I want to be one of the best goalkeeping coaches in England. I want to work for England. And if I'm going to get there, I probably need to be different than these other 92 that want the same thing. So I need to find my point of difference. Um, so recognising and finding it and then really pushing and striving it and going for it and moulding it is, is hopefully where I've stood out from the rest. I don't know that you'd have to ask the people who employed me, but <laughs> hopefully it has done. Um, but yeah, that that'd be my thing. Like, you can't be copycats. You can't be copycats of other people's work. I think that's the thing, the power within that, mate. Owning your authenticity and using it as a power versus associating it with a weakness or whatever it is in, you know, a multitude of different scenarios because it's, we usually shy away from them because we feel we're being too vulnerable or it's not, it won't come across as the norm, the expected. But I think, as you've rightly said there, if you want to go with the norm and fit in, then you'll just add to the pile of what's currently there versus if you approach it differently and think about how you can offer and deliver different differently. Because, you know, even when I was working for you and, and seeing your approach, I was like, the evolution of this is like completely different to 
you know, how I would have anticipated anything. It's that different approach, which, as you rightly say, I think you stand out differently for, for those reasons. And, you know, which leads me on to sort of now, really, Sam, I know we sort of kick in with the time, buddy, but what's what's next for, for Sam Meek? What's on that on that vision board, if you want to share or, or whatever? What, what's next for, for Sam, where you currently are and where you want to go? Yeah, so um, where I currently am now with England at the FA, we've, we've got a lot of tournaments coming up. We've got a lot of, um, you know, stuff in coach education that I've only just dipped my toe into, really. So um, in terms of, like, the, the, the tournaments, hopefully, you know, touch wood, I'm going to wood around me. So, so far, we, we, we qualify next week to, to go to a tournament in the summer, which would be fantastic. And, and I'd love to win a tournament with England. That'd be the dream. Um, it may never happen. It may happen. I don't know, but um, hopefully we can we can win a tournament. Um, you know, I'm really privileged to be part of an organisation that, in the past few years, has um, really come out with some positives, um, especially with the senior team doing so well now. So, you know, I'm really really honoured to be to be part of this organisation at the moment in time and take a lot of pride of 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 just you know wearing the badge really rather than actually contributing just wearing the badge and being part of it is such a massive pride for me um so yeah I sort of want to be want to do the best I possibly can in this role now I have thought about what's next um I have got a plan for what's next but listen <laughs> I want to be successful in this role I want to be successful in this role first I, I, I'm not one of those people to go yeah I want to go and do this and uh, I want to go and do that like yeah do I want to win the Champions League one day with somebody 100% because then it's, it's everybody's dream again, isn't it? It's everybody's dream. Um, but I want to be successful in the role I'm doing. You know, like I say, I've dipped my I've dipped my toe into a different world now. Coach education. I was sat on the I was sat on these courses, learning off the people teaching it. Now I'm one of the people who teaches it, and it's it's a completely different role. So um, again, I need to evolve and develop to be a good coach educator. Because at this moment in time, I'm I'm okay, but I'm I'm definitely. In, it's, a, it's different it's just different and I need to learn that so um, it's another gimmick again but it's another string to the bows that people keep saying it's another something another something that's been added to my my armoury to be able to be a coach educator but learning from the people that are in the building that I've got now some unbelievable people in the building that have been in the game for years outstanding coach educators just learning off those people is is going to be the key thing for me now um, I'm not going to let people in on, on what's next for me um, and I'm not going to say it out loud what I think's next, but I definitely know where I'm going to go. But I know what's in front of me at this moment in time, and I know what I need to do in front of me first. Yeah. Just, uh, just a, a selfish question to you, mate. Are you still keeping up with your your fitness regime? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm still uh, still keeping my fitness regime. I, I was crazy, and uh, you know me, I can do some crazy stuff. So. Yeah. In, lock, in lockdown, I did a did an Iron Man in my garage. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like, I remember. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I did a did an Iron Man in my garage while my missus was at work. So my missus is a nurse, so obviously, like, um, you know, she she was the real hero for for quite some time, um, as everybody was in the medical sector through this difficult time we had. And I wanted to try and just raise some money to do something while I was at home, so you know, I decided to do it. I don't know why I was I was running one day and I just went. Iron Man, let's do one of those. Well, let's call it Isolation Iron Man. Let's do it from home. Um, one of those crazy ideas, you know, I've got in me. So, um, yeah, I, I did the Iron Man, which was good. And 
I'm still getting up at um, stupid o'clock, four or five o'clock in the morning if I need to, to go and do my fitness stuff because, yeah, it's just what I do. So. I love it, mate. That's, that's top class. And as I say, mate, I think we'll uh, obviously conclude it there, buddy, but I just want to personally thank you for coming on today, mate, and sharing a little bit behind the scenes of obviously a man of your calibre, the coaching that you are currently doing. So um, thank you for all the shares. I think there's definitely some some golden nuggets in there. There's some wisdom that people can use and implement and start to use going forwards on their journey. And, and as I say, mate, I just wanted to say thank you once again for, for coming on board, buddy. Thank you. No, no problem, mate. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it.